I'm Robin Gallagher and welcome to Ripples. Throughout our program, a series of guest speakers will share words of wisdom from their life experience and we will offer you a series of meditations so that you can take some time just to stop and listen to that voice within, that voice of the Spirit. So come and enjoy some inspired voices and treasured stillness and allow the ripple effect to begin. Welcome back to Ripples. Today I'm delighted to welcome back Patria King as we continue our conversation. Patria is an author, keynote speaker, teacher and facilitator and is qualified as a naturopath, herbalist, clinical hypnotherapist, yoga and meditation teacher. Patria has been a regular guest on ABC Radio's Midweek Conference and Nightlife for 19 years. In 1983, Patria was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukaemia and wasn't expected to survive. Meditation and integration of past traumatic experiences, which included the suicide of her brother, became paramount in her recovery. Patria established the Quest for Life Foundation in 1989 after a series of personal traumas. She has developed many effective programs for people living with a range of significant mental and physical health challenges, which are delivered through the Quest for Life Centre in Bundanoon and in the community. In the last episode, Patria shared the story of the Quest for Life Foundation and some valuable insights and strategies for living with challenges or working through traumas in our lives. In this episode, Patria shares some ways we can accompany others who are struggling. I feel so privileged to sit with Patria today in Bundanoon as she shares more of the story of the Quest for Life Foundation and the significance of creating spaces where people can hear the still, small voice within and be truly heard. Patria, in a lot of your work, you're accompanying people and you're walking with people who are going through so much, challenges and traumas of their own. Um, Our listeners also accompany people or endeavour to accompany people within their own families, within their workplaces, within their communities, with a a desire to to walk with and Mm. and accompany. Mm. I wonder if you could share... Just from your experience, what are, what have you found to be helpful in terms of that accompaniment? Mm. I think so often when people tell us stories of pain or anguish or grief or loss or trauma, we want to either go into making them feel better or cheering them up, yes, <laughs> which is really not much help. Mm. Um, So, as I said earlier, it's never helpful to say, I know exactly how you feel, because we don't know the reality of another person. We may know that place of anguish, that place of pain, that place of despair, of grief, of loss, of trauma in ourselves, and that can often make us a better companion. And what's really useful is to listen and to ask questions when the time is right that might help that person to understand themselves more deeply mm. and to, for that person to recognise the strengths that they do have. But listening is a very rare quality to find. Deep listening, mm. 
where someone allows you to not only talk yourself out, it's often in the quiet when a person appears to have finished speaking that the real gem comes out. You know, sometimes people just need to unravel themselves. Mm, yes, yes. And then by the time they've unraveled themselves in that quiet at the end, if you don't fill it up with a comment or something, often then it'll be, you know what the issue really yeah. is. And then they're able to get to it themselves, mm. which is so much more valuable than me telling them. Yes. And so I think to listen and Make sympathetic noises. You know? yes. We often have to train men yes. <laughs> in this. Because I know my son, when, uh, when his partner was very distressed about something, and he said, Mum, I don't know how to, how to help her. Mm. I said, sweetheart, you just need to hold her, give her some gentle pats and make some sympathetic noises mm. and let her cry it out. Mm. Well, he rang me up after. He said, Mum, it worked. It's terrific. Yes. He said, I thought I had to fix it. Yeah. And I said, no, sweetheart, you mm. don't have to fix it. No. You have to hear it. Mm. And it's harder, in a way, to hear it oh, because it's... then our little mirror neurons in our brain are feeling what the other person is feeling. Mm. And if we're not used to feeling our own anguish, our own grief, our own despair, we're probably going to want to tidy it up and yes. take the person away from that. It's such a gift to them mm. to let them be in that place. And once they're fully heard and listened to, they may be willing then to go for a walk, mm. to come and have a cuppa, mm. to check in with that person, mm. to send them a text. Mm. I'm thinking of you. Yes. You know, so that we know that we're held by others who don't try and fix us no. or change us or make us better. You know, we talk a lot about the difference between fixing and helping and serving. When you try and fix people, you're, you're perceiving them as broken in some way and that they're in need of your expertise to put them back together again. Mm. And it's an imbalance in the relationship. When I help you, then I use my strength, my expertise, my capability to lift you up. And you, you're kind of only one mm. if I'm out there helping everybody. Mm. When I serve, I serve the life that's in me, the life that's in you, mm. the life that's in creation. Then we're in service. And I'm as enlightened by the experiences, hopefully, the other person yes, makes. There's a mutuality yes. in that encounter. Yes. Mm -hmm. And indeed, it's the relationship, the unspoken relationship that allows us to go to whatever depth we're willing to go to. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, people won't tell you their vulnerabilities if they don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. If they feel you're going to tell them, oh, it must be God's will, uh, that's why my favourite bumper sticker is still my karma just ran over your dogma because I think so often people are trying to make sense of suffering mm. and sense is not appropriate. No. Compassion is appropriate. Mm. To just bear witness and be in service in that moment mm. and to have access to that still small voice that will guide you in how to be whether to touch, whether not to touch, whether to use humour, not use humour, yes. whether to fill up the space or leave the space gaping. Mm. That comes from that inner sense of how to be in that circumstance. Mm. 
rather than going into the chaos, which we often do, of, oh, gosh, what am I going to say now? Yes. I don't know what to say to this person. It's okay to say, I cannot imagine what things are like for you right now, but I do want you to know you're in my heart and I keep you in my prayers and at the end of my rainbow. Then you've turned up. You know, love turns up when it doesn't know what to say and it doesn't know what to do, preferably with a casserole in yes. hand. <laughs> but love turns up, yeah. doesn't cross the street, doesn't avoid the conversation, is willing to be vulnerable and say, I can't imagine how things are for you right now, but I'm here. Yes. And is there something I can do? Or maybe think of something that you can do. Yes, yes. So, you know, whilst I started out with people who were uh, dealing with a life-threatening illness, having just been through that experience myself, as people began to tell me stories of sexual assault, that had happened to me, domestic violence, that had happened to me, growing up with my brother with his mental health issues and then his suicide, that had happened to me, grief, loss, chronic pain, years in hospital, lots of things had happened to me. And so really my work evolved more into what it is today, which is about human suffering. And if you're suffering, then we can provide a safe space where you can find your own way through Mm -hmm. to your own best answer. And that seems to be a blessing to people. Amazing work, Patria. Just such a privilege. work. It's such a privilege. Patria, I know that there'd be a number of different things that support people and they'd be discovering those in your programs as well. Mm. Mm. And I imagine that for some people they would speak about their faith or speak about their yes. spirituality. Mm. I wonder if you could um, share a little bit about what you've seen or witnessed either within your own life or with mm. the people that you've accompanied of of the impact of of faith or spirituality mm. in terms of supporting them in yes. these times. Yes. For some people, um, of course, they've had some very unfortunate experiences with their religious upbringing. And so I find, and, and for a lot of people too, for whom their faith has always been a very foundational part of their mm. life, that when they're confronted with their mortality perhaps... They let go a lot of the trappings yes. and find the deep spirituality that may be embodied in the religion but can become packed with quite a bit of dogma and ritual and, yes. and process and this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. But these things that strip you bare, mm-hmm. these things that tear you to shreds yes. and you ache for that quiet, that deep inter connectedness that you have with life so I find people's spirituality often becomes incredibly profound and important to them and whilst we don't use a particularly spiritual language here to me all of this work is spiritual work because it's the ancient journey that's spoken about in every religion the journey of away from ourselves into the material world where we think that that's who we are Mm. and that we gather all of this stuff about us and yet it's the invisible world that's the eternal world. Mm. The material world will always pass. 
the invisible worlds, the eternal world. And that's what I remember from my teachers, you know, those invisible qualities and values that they gave me. I don't remember a thing they taught me. Mm. But the values, I definitely remember seeing those values show up in how they treated students, how they treated each other, how they walked into a room, how they stood back and let others pass. Whatever it was, in all the myriad ways that people demonstrate their values, children are reading that all of the time. And that's what's really profoundly useful in a child's life, is to see someone demonstrating values that will give them a pathway for the rest of their life. Yes. And those values, if they're based deeply in a spiritual understanding, in that the invisible world is the eternal world, mm-hmm. and that everything material will pass, then how could I do to you what I wouldn't do to myself? Yes. We would see the other as ourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that deep spirituality of recognising that love is what infuses us and the universe. And that's mind-blowing. When you think about this is not just an energy that's mindlessly reproducing itself out into eternity. This is a beneficent presence that is bringing into creation material form so that we can have this extraordinary experience of being human or maybe even being the divine within human form because that's what we've been taught. Mm, The kingdom of heaven is within you. It's not a geographical destination. It's in the deep quiet Mm. within ourselves where there's peace. Mm. So I think people often move away from the trappings, the dogma perhaps of religion, but they find their deep spirituality. And for those who are enraged with their religion for all of the painful reasons that they may have are not uh, bereft of finding a deep spiritual connection to life. And that I've met many people with a religion who lack any spirituality and many people with a profound spirituality who have no religion. Don't identify yet. I was very fortunate that I was born Jewish, raised an Anglican, spent time in a Catholic monastery probably have more Buddhist leanings than anything. Mm. So it's given me a smorgasbord of understanding and I've delved into all of those teachings uh, in great depth Mm. um, during years of Mm. hospitalisation and other things. And there's a common thread that runs throughout them all and it's all about love and that that love is what resides within each of us. And when we get away from the chaos of our brain and drop into that deep quiet within ourselves, we have access to those qualities that are so valuable to all of us in life. I can only imagine there must be some very um, deep conversations that must emerge Mm. at these times in your EA programs as well. Such a privilege to be allowed in Mm. and what touches me always is that people travel so far to find a place where they feel safe enough to utter the unutterable Mm. and to feel that, you know, these big burly police and paramedics and all kinds of people who, that's why your language is so important. We've got to use the language that 
well, it's meaningful. Mm. <laughs> You've got to meet people where they are and walk with them from there yes. rather than say, well, you're all messed up and you should be over here and if you do this, that and the other, then you'll be over here rather than where you are now because that's a huge judgment that yes. says you shouldn't be where you are right now. And if you are in that place of pain, then hopefully you find a companion or a friend or some writing or some poetry or something that can lead you, be a support to you through that journey. Mm -hmm. And I think, as, as you allude to, there's an innate desire for all of us to yes. be heard and to be understood. Mm. And, mm. and I can imagine, you know, wherever people come from, that, that desire is there. Absolutely, mm. to be seen. To be seen, to be heard and to be loved. Yes. Yeah. Tria, I've, I've observed during this time of COVID that you've been offering some extraordinary programs. There was one that I saw which was about building resilient families mm. during challenging times. And I know from your website that there's a range of other programs. I wonder if you could just share with our listeners about some of the programs that you're offering during mm. this time of COVID. Yes, it's been a very challenging time, of course, for a lot of people. Some people have relished it especially people with social anxiety, yes. they've been able to hold up. But other people have found it very challenging. And of course, there's a lot of fear and anxiety about the future. And so people have been hungry for how do I quieten down the chaos in my mind? How do I switch it off at night so I can get some sleep? How do I manage my children and educating them at home when mm. there's just chaos and worry and fretting and financial stress yes so we know these challenges are, are very real and very present in people's lives mm. and the fact that they take time out of their life to go get some practical help in how do I manage this so I think you know we know that children in particular love structure and routine and so we might talk about how to introduce some structure and some routine into people's lives mm -hmm. we all need our own quiet space and that must be so challenging for so many people now who are living in close quarters yes. uh, cooped up together and it's a huge strain on any relationship well to recognize this is a very challenging time and to recognize that with the family yes and, and if they, you know, obviously it's going to depend on the age of the child, but if they're very young, then that structure and that routine is going to be absolutely critical. Uh, your inner state is really critical because children are picking up on that all the time. Mm -hmm. And if they see that you're frank, frantic and chaotic and a little bit out of control, uh, they will be very similar. Yes. Uh, we've often had children say to their parents, Mum, it's time you went back to that place, you know, <laughs> where, wherever you came back all peaceful yes. from, go back. Yeah, they um, know the gift of it. They feel the gift yeah, of it. Yeah, they feel mm. the gift of it because children need to feel that they're safe in your company. Mm. And so you have to be the parent and of the child, not let the children run the show. Mm. Um, and, you know, whether it's getting to bed by a certain time every night, yourself as well as the children, whether it's the rituals and the routines that you establish on a daily basis so that, you see, we used to have a lot of touchstones that we had to attend to during the day and we fitted our grief and our anguish and our despair and our hopelessness in around, you know, we might have to let the chooks out or put mm. the chooks away or set the fire or draw the curtains or get the firewood in or water the tomatoes or whatever it is. 
These were the things that we had to do to keep life happening. And we have a lot less of that now. Yes. And so a lot of us have lost our little touchstones that connect us back into the moment, into the present moment because of the chook's knee. Otherwise, the fox is going to be in there. So these were grounding moments in our day, watering the garden and the smell of the tomato as you water it. So these were moments that we had where we came back into the present and then we were preoccupied with our hopelessness and our despair. But we had lots of little touchstones throughout the day that had to happen. And a lot of people have lost all of those. So you may need to rethink what are some of the rituals, some of the practices that I could incorporate into my day. Lighting a candle with your children every day and just having a moment of quiet. Or maybe sending a rainbow and asking the children, where would you like to send the rainbow to today? And most kids are pyromaniacs, so if you give them the responsibility of lighting the candle and you teach them, you strike the match away from the body, you keep your attention on the flame, you light the candle, you bring it to your mouth, you blow it out, and you're conscious through all of that. You teach children how to light a candle, how to be reverential with it. And then maybe ask the children, where would you like to send a rainbow to today? Let's imagine we're all under one end of the rainbow, breathe in all the colours. Imagine them gathering in our hearts, bless them with our love. And where would you like to send the rainbow? Oh, to all the animals that are suffering from the fire. And then you begin to hear what your children are concerned about. Yes. Little Freddie at school who's not, not um, well. Oh, I didn't know Freddie was unwell. Let's send Freddie a, a, a rainbow. Uh, there was an earthquake in Turkey. Whatever it might be, you begin to hear from your own children. What are the things that preoccupy them, that concern them? So developing some of these little rituals into the family way of doing things and share with your own children how you deal with feelings. You know, on Wednesday I was in my grumpy room. You know, on a scale of 0 to 10, I was about an 8. I was ready to get out and bob that person, but I knew that wouldn't be helpful. But I could feel it in my belly. My heart rate was just thumping. My breathing changed. Have you ever felt grumpy? Where do you feel it in your body? How does it feel in your head when you're really grumpy with someone? And what's happening in your chest? So that you help the child to learn some emotional literacy. Yes. And then, well, how if it's a, a two, maybe you could just do some deep breathing and sort that out. Maybe if it's a nine, you might need to go for a big run and put all of your energy into running so that we give children some strategies to deal with their feelings through difficult times, mm. give ourselves yes, some strategies yes. for dealing with difficult times because mm. a lot of people right now are struggling. Mm. And I think the other thing too, we always ask people, do you feel as good as you look? Yes. Rather than you look well, which can be dismissive of I've already decided that you're all right mm. and I'm going just on how you look. Mm. But when you say to someone... What a someone, wonderful statement. Do you feel as good as you look? Mm. You're saying you look yes. great. But, where but what's are you? the inner... Uh, yes. Yeah, what's yes. the inner experience right now? Mm. And you might get a very different conversation. Mm. So I think making space for conversation. Now everything's in emoticons and text messages and mm. emails and leaving voicemails on message machines. and We need to make time for one another. Mm. And we need first to make time for ourselves. Yeah. Replenish yourself first. Yes. Bring your well-replenished self to the challenge, the chaos, the mm. confusion. And then you might have some useful 
strategies or at least have the openness to hear what's going on for the other person. Whereas if you're already full of your own chaos, then anyone else's is just going to be a burden. Mm -hmm. So first, attend to you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. You're not your body, you've got one. Nourish it, rest it, exercise it. You're not your brain, you've got one. Quieten it down. You're not your thoughts, you're not your feelings, you're not your memories, you're not all those images that flash through the brain. And if we're in right relationship with the brain, with the body, with our thoughts, with our feelings, well, that's mastery. Yes. You know, then we're no longer buffeted by what goes on in the brain because mm -hmm. we can witness it and choose to let it go or express it in ways that are appropriate if yes. that is appropriate. Mm -hmm. So it's really about mastery of the human condition, mm. and that's what we're all challenged with right now. Yes. Because everyone has had their life disrupted. Mm. For some, it's been a very positive experience. There are some people who've made a fortune out mm. of this. Mm. And for others, it's been a, an appalling, miserable, lonesome... Life-changing. Life-changing mm. experience. And they feel bereft and lost. And we need to have a good deal of compassion for ourselves yes. and one another right now mm. and put these things into practice because that's how the world will change to a world that we want to live in. Mm. And I think actually we're all over the one that we've had mm. up until now mm. and that it's become dominated by things that are beyond, um, beyond what we're willing to accommodate. Mm. You know, I think there's a lot of people who want to live in a more compassionate, mm. a more just, a more truthful mm. world yes. than the one we currently have. Mm. And maybe this is the birthing process yes. because out of the ashes comes the phoenix. Yes. And so we sometimes have to go through great pain in order to find great peace. Mm. And that's a journey we're all capable of making. Mm -hmm. But we don't want to make it alone. No. We need to gather together mm -hmm. and support one another and uplift one another mm -hmm. so that we can make this journey to a positive destination, to a world that we all want to live in. Mm -hmm. And where we want our children yes. to grow up thinking far out. This is a great place This to is be. a wonderful mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. It can be like mm -hmm. that. Yes. And it's up to each one of us. Mm -hmm. To create that. Yes. And that's the kingdom of heaven that's within yes. is possible to bring that into mm. heaven on earth. Yes. Yes. Oh, Patria, thank you. Thank you so much for those, those words. I think are just your words of wisdom. Are, it's just so pertinent to this time. Mm. I mean, they're, they're endlessly um, important. But at this particular point in time, I think it's really heightened just that importance of care for self and care for one another yes. and I just I thank you for the conversation for your authenticity for your generosity and your deep wisdom no, thank you, you, you are a gift to so many and the programs that you are running here are as what my friend said at the very beginning are extraordinary and are life-changing mm -hmm. and you and your team will remain in our prayers and uh we, we look forward to a continued connection with you Lovely. and the work that you do, and we just thank you so very much. Thank you so much for the opportunity of 
of talking to you today, Robin, and uh, there's always a warm welcome awaiting anyone who wants to come to Quest. Thank you so very much. Thank Thank you. Thank you for joining our program today. Quest for Life has assisted over 125,000 people with grief, depression, anxiety, PTSD, cancer, chronic pain and other illnesses. If you would like to find out more about the Quest for Life Foundation, please take a look at their website, questforlife.com.au. This website provides wonderful information about their programs, which include both residential programs and one-day programs. If you would like to take some time now or later in the week to enjoy some treasured stillness, a meditation called Listening to the Still Small Voice is available on both Podbean and on Apple Podcast and is entitled Meditation 18. Have a lovely week and I look forward to being with you next time.